He's going for the corner. He's got it. Caught by Boston College. I don't believe it. It's a touchdown. The Eagles win it. And the kick is blocked. Appalachian State has stunned the college football world. James, the lateral. Chris Davis takes it in the back of the end zone. He'll run it out to the 10, 15, 20, 25, 30, 35, 40, 45, 50, 45. There goes Davis. Oh, my God. Davis is going to run it all the way back. Auburn's going to win the football game. Auburn's going to win the football game. Welcome to the Big Ten slash Mac preview of the Walk on Red Shirts podcast. Uh, This is episode three in our five week series uh, previewing the college football season, which is fast approaching, should it still happen, and still happen nearly on time. Um, and before we get on to that, I am joined with my co-hosts, as always, Jake and intern Gibble. Uh, how are you fellas doing? Made it Dang. through the weekend. Yeah, you survived. I did survive. I went on a trip to Kansas City this past weekend and uh, managed to survive, I guess you could say. Uh, Going to scout the Jayhawks. Yeah, rock chalk, baby. Rock chalk forever. I'm also going to never drink Crown Royal again in my life. So That's a bad decision, but... What'd you do all weekend, Gibble? Uh... Worked one day and just watched soccer the entirety of today. I've heard enough about soccer before this, so please <laughs> not keep going into it. Oh, I we did have a very hours. soccer discussion before the pod started. Yeah, um, it was awful. There was a whole turn- lot that happened today that none of you care about, but exactly. I had a and great nobody time listening to will care about it either. That's what well, I'm. That's- that's because I mean. we care about different <laughs> soccer leagues. Okay, well, you're busy watching the Premier League, the low, low-level Premier League, while I'm watching the National Women's Soccer League on CBS. So, you know, some of us just watch a premier sport here. Okay, well, that's all I'm trying to say. The, the Premier League is literally the definition of premier. No, it isn't. <laughs> it, it I was isn't watching the Premier Lacrosse League yesterday. Oh, see, that's also premier. It is premier. So that's I'm trying to figure out what my team is going to be. We, I was watching the Chaos versus Chrome game. Don't really understand lacrosse a ton, but you know it seemed interesting enough. If you're not a Water Dogs fan, then just get out. Ooh, ooh, that's that's a great name. It's a great <laughs> I mean, I, name. Yeah. Well, that's the part of my take team. Uh, so I was trying I to think- watch some of the PLL on the, my flight today, but like it told me I had that channel on my live TV with Southwest, but like it wasn't loading. So like. I don't know. Shame. But, hey, baseball's back. Uh, I think hockey starts up Tuesday. I think basketball is within a week. So, uh, sports, get ready to drown yourself, guys, because uh, it's back. I mean, I'm, I'm watching the Braves and the Mets right now as we record. I need at least a week before I can go back to you. what you say, drowning. Like, I can't. I need at least a week before I go back into the booze. <sighs> Well, I wasn't talking about drinking. Uh, you might have you been. Can watch, you can watch sports without you know, dying of alcohol poisoning. Are you sure? Uh, Is that I legal? know that's a shocking revelation. But Are you sure? 
Yeah, I'm pretty positive. I, I do it most days. Um, it's pretty easy to be quite honest with you. Uh, I'll have to look into that. I'll let you know. Well, I'll keep you updated. You should take a look, um, especially now that you're getting to a point where there's stuff that you aren't going to drink anymore. So I don't know. You ever drown yourself in uh, something nice and cheap, I guess. Uh, PBR. Yeah, God. Not I always have to work in a PBR reference into every episode. Uh, well, we don't, though. That's the problem is we just don't have to do that. Uh, Unofficially sponsored we aren't by being PBR. paid to do that. <laughs> Maybe That's if we have much. the reference in there, then that'll eventually convince them to sponsor us. They're already in the free advertisement. I don't know how they'll pay for it. <laughs> the payment is just a few cases of beer. That's that's about it. Deal. I mean, <laughs> Gib, why don't you tell us about uh, some news? Yeah, Gib, we'll get into the news. So we're done here. All right. Well, we'll get the uh, terrible news out of the way first. Um Ole Miss suspended their linebacker, Sam Williams, after he was arrested on a sexual battery charge. Uh, So, yeah, he's probably not going to be with the team, assuming this all checks out uh, that he was, in fact, guilty. Um, Is your favorite news to deliver the violent ones? No, it's my least favorite. That's why I'm getting it out of the way first. (laughs) Interesting. Interesting way to lead with, like, the most violent stuff. I know, right? I mean, I guess I could have sandwiched it in between some nice news, but you know, there's some negative Rona news coming up, and so we're just gonna we're just gonna move on. Um, that's enough about Ole Miss. Uh, Oklahoma announced that they're moving up their season opener against Missouri State to August 29th. Uh, so this allows them to play three games in five weeks, um, giving them essentially two buys within that first five week time. Um, and allows them for a little bit more uh, scheduling flexibility in the pandemic here. Uh, feels like an unfair advantage, but, you know, it's Oklahoma. Uh, all right, moving on a little bit. Rutgers and Michigan State uh, announced that they were quarantining their players for 14 days after both had positive cases of uh, coronavirus at their universities in the football teams. Um, so it just kind of joins the list of other teams that have already been, um, in quarantine. I believe Clemson also announced that they had no further positive cases. Um, so that's definitely a good step for them. Uh, and the NCAA, as usual, putting off, uh, their decision on fall sports championships until August. Um, so just leaving yet another thing up in the air. I feel like at some point they need to start making decisions. Why would they ever do that? I mean, it would be the logical thing to do, but that's why they won't do it. Exactly. So yeah. So who knows if we're going to be allowed to have championships essentially. Um, um, to double back real fast, the team that Oklahoma bumped up to week zero is a team that Bobby Petrino is now coaching. Bobby Petrino still a head coach somewhere? Yeah, he got the head coaching. Missouri State, that was the job that people were confused whether Art Bryles or Bobby Petrino was the one that was becoming the head coach earlier this offseason. Um, it is Bobby Petrino. So, whatever. Hey, week zero, we get to watch uh, him get beat up. So... And by slapped me. around. 
yeah, that's not going to be a fun game for them. Uh, moving over into the ACC, uh, there's currently a proposal that would allow Notre Dame to play for the ACC championship this coming season. Um, they have a, I fully agree. Uh, they have a couple different scheduling models that they're looking at for this upcoming season. Um, that And one of them happens to allow Notre Dame to play for that conference championship. The ACC is set to meet on Wednesday to decide on this upcoming season, uh, and they might actually have rough schedules in hand by the end of that day as well. Um, so This definitely is definitely a, a ploy for them to convince Notre Dame to join the conference. Oh, for sure. It is uh, partial, yeah. Um, it's hand-in-hand. Notre Dame will never probably join them, uh, but uh, as much as I hate it, it will help, you know, boost TV, boost revenue and stuff like that, especially in a down year to get Notre Dame in there, especially if they can have Notre Dame contend for the championship. So I do get it. Uh, It sucks, but whatever. Um, And yeah, um, it was announced today from Sports Illustrated that the ACC is meeting on Wednesday. Uh, I think there's three proposals on the table. One is still to play the 12-game schedule. Uh, the other one, I think, is 10, um, 10 conference games and then one out-of-conference game, which would they would keep essentially with the SEC and maybe the Big 12. I think there, there's talk about these three conferences trying to work something out to uh, work together on doing a non-conference game down the schedule. Uh, there's obviously already four uh, rivalry games between the SEC and ACC late in the season. So it would help there. Um, and that's also one that I, I think that's what's going to get passed because it's going to give a, a much bigger TV revenue to the conference uh, and the school. And then lastly, I think the last one is basically just uh, like eight game uh, conference schedule or something like that. So um Expect that, and I think the ACC announced that they they could have rough draft schedules. Uh, they won't have dates or times, I believe, but they'll have um, who the teams, at least within the conference, will be playing, um, and likely to be more closer to games um, where teams could take bus travel rather than flying, which doesn't help some teams like Miami where every away game is a flight. There's nobody close to them to drive to. I think Boston college is likely the same, um, in the same bag there. So, uh, expect some news on that come Wednesday. Uh, but we'll see, uh, should have some more news on that going forward next episode. Yep. And we should also have some more news on the PAC 12. Uh, they, currently have a plan to play a 10 game conference only schedule um but they didn't actually release any any dates or any specifics to that um and that would start on september 19th uh, according to the espn report um and switching gears here to mississippi state uh running back kylan hill was honored by uh his hometown of columbus missouri for his role in the flag change for the state of mississippi um, he was presented with the keys to his hometown uh, on Tuesday night of this past week. Um, so it's definitely great progress um, in the, I guess, fight against racism, <laughs> um, making sure that gets removed from everyday life. 
Do you think his Flavor Town is like Flavor Town 2.0 and the Flavor Town Ohio is Flavor Town 1.0? Because I read Columbus there. I didn't know if he was from my Flavor Town or not. Mm. There are 10,000 Columbuses in this damn country. Everybody needs to be Flavor Town. <laughs> Rename them all. Yep. I mean, if you change one to Flavor Town, shouldn't you change them all? I feel Throw like that's, that's a good idea. Anyway, uh, into a little bit of transfer portal news. Um, naturally, as soon as we dropped our episode last week and recorded it, uh, former Nebraska wide receiver J.D. Spielman announced that he was heading to TCU. Um, he would be eligible to play for one more season, uh, but would need a waiver from the NCAA to play this season. You think he's in the uh, you're a prolific player, you get one category, even though he's not a quarterback? Uh, his dad's a GM for the Vikings, so he's getting it. Yep. Okay. Just need to make yeah. Sure. Also, I think it, we'll see. Um, obviously, the NCAA doesn't care about who they give them to earlier or later. Uh, but at this point, I think the NCAA is phoning things in so much that I think, and damn near anybody's just going to get a pass. Makes sense. Side note: like Gibble definitely said Kylan Hills from Columbus, Missouri, right? Did I? I'm pretty. He's from Columbus, Mississippi. Columbus, Missouri is an unincorporated town. Ah, yeah, you're right. I think I did. Appreciate the fact check. <laughs> Looked it up because I didn't. I didn't think Columbus, Missouri was a real place. No, he's. It, it, I just said the wrong state. He's definitely from Mississippi, considering the Mississippi flag was the one that got changed. Yeah, that's why I was confused about the Missouri thing. Yeah. Anyway, moving on. Uh, two former Mississippi State players who transferred to Florida State in uh, defensive back Jerry and Jones and defensive tackle Fabian Lovett both were granted their waivers to play for Florida State this upcoming season. And you um, actually asked if J.D. Spielman will get a waiver. Yeah, I mean, it was more of a he's going to get it right kind of question. Yeah. But anyway, um, our last bit of portal news here is Georgia defensive back Devad Wilson has entered the transfer portal. Uh, he was a former four-star recruit from Miami who's going to have three years of eligibility left for whichever team he ends up with, um, although he would need the waiver. But like we kind of said, everybody seems to be getting him right now. Um, he started two games last season and recorded uh, 24 tackles and one interception. Um, I f- believe I read that he was looking to transfer closer to home, uh, which would potentially have Miami in that uh, as well as Florida and Florida state. Yeah. Uh, hey man, uh, kid from Miami entering the transfer portal, four stars, Manny Diaz on line one. I'll make the joke every time it pops up, but uh, got to at least reach out at the spots there. So yeah. Shocking. Miami decides to enter the portal. <clears throat> Just picking guys out left and right. Naturally. All right. Well, that wraps up our news for the week. Way to go. Well, we talk about it every week. Gibble, have you signed up for Athletes Tea Club yet? No, I actually forgot. I meant to. One of these days, I'm just going to Venmo you the money and you're going to sign up. And then we're going to use our promo code RedShirts because then, you know, I'm going to save money on it myself. Because Athletes Tea Club is very simple. 
It's a new tee, new design every month. Choose your sport, choose your size, change it anytime, no commitment. They change it up every so often so you're not just getting t-shirts. You can get long sleeves, hoodies. You never know what you're going to get. Kevin. We know that you're indecisive, so you getting the same thing every month isn't good. True. You need to switch it up. Also, your style sucks, so you could use some new clothing. Facts. And they're, they're all high quality stuff never 100 percent cotton it's nice stuff definitely kind of stuff that i would probably end up wearing into a bar especially if i'm gonna go watch a game somewhere because there's plenty of times i go watch games that i don't really care who wins unless i'm betting on it which happens a lot so make sure you sign up by the last day of the month use promo code red and get 10 percent off your next order time for some big 10 stuff all right, let's hop right into the Big Ten preview here. Uh, like we've done the last two weeks, we're going to just do a team-by-team team breakdown alphabetically, uh, wrap up some predictions, and talk about some key um, questions that surround some of these teams um, in the conference. So let's start, surprisingly, the whole way down to the eyes. With the Illinois Fighting Illini, they went 6-7 and seven last year, uh, ranked 115th in the country in offense and 77th in defense, uh, 12 returning starters, 7 offensively, 5 on defense. Uh, my key question here with the Illini, uh, after a successful season uh, compared to most, uh, they turned, turned a bit of a corner in Champaign, made a bowl game, they upset Wisconsin, uh, around the middle of the season. Has Lovey Smith finally turned that corner or is Illinois going to regress back to their standard um, level? I think they'll be on par with what they were last year. Uh, one of the keys is returning Brandon Peters this year and you know returning a couple of those key guys on offense. I think – I just think it's too tough of a schedule. Um, they're pr- – it based off of what they're projected to play. And since they're going to be playing an only conference schedule, they're going to lose a couple of the easy games in there that they would have had. So I think they might make some progress, but I don't know if you'll necessarily see it in the win loss column, uh, just because of having to play more conference games. And uh, if they've got to play extra crossover games, you're talking about playing Michigan or Penn state, Ohio state uh, games that are, they're not going to win. Uh, if they get crossover games against like Rutgers or Michigan State or Maryland, they're a lot more favorable. Um, you know, they beat Wisconsin last year. Uh, I think they're a 500 team again this year. Yeah, I think I don't think I see them really improving, but I don't see them really regressing too much. Um, they lose a bit in their running game out of uh, with Reggie Corbin and Trey Brown, um, and I think their offensive line. Coming back, they return all but uh, their center, or no, all but their right guard. Um, if they can cut down on the sacks they give up, uh, they gave up 39 sacks uh, on 366 pass attempts last season. If they can get that down, um, that'll help their offense out a little bit, but I I don't see them really getting a ton better um, just because of that, but I think they're heading in the right direction for sure. Yeah, I think a lot of it relies heavily on um, if Brandon Peter, if Brandon Peters can take another step forward. Um, Josh, I I'm not going to try and pronounce his last name. Ooh, give a what you try to nature, say. Uh, wide receiver. Uh, you Ema Torbihi. 
BB? I don't know. <laughs> That's definitely not right, but we'll go with that. Um, but yeah, he's a, he's a freaking nature wide receiver, uh, former USC guy as well. Um, I transferred over. Uh, depending on what happens with the schedule, assuming they the Big Ten schedule stays the same, um, they're a team, and I, I kind of bring this up every week, they're one that has an unlucky draw where a lot of the teams that they are equal to in terms of the tier tiering system of the Big Ten, most of those games are on the road, um, which is not great uh, going forward. Um, but I do think Lovey Smith has his team prepared to be somewhere around uh, 500, maybe, maybe a little under um, this season. It's, it's hard to read a whole lot into a season like this when you don't have those out of conference games anymore um, to, you know, pad yourself up to six wins. Um, but I do think that the program's headed more in the right direction. I don't know how high the ceiling is there in Champaign, but uh, I think probably around 500 is, is where you're best looking at f- for Illinois. All right. Uh, let's move on to the Indiana Hoosiers. They went, uh, how many wins did they get last year, Jake? I'm not, I'm not answering this question. Eight. They got only eight, eight and five, which is a great turnaround for Indiana. Uh, but some people are just too greedy. Um, and don't like it enough. We're going for 11 Indiana this year. Uh, you get Indiana might not play 11 games. So also true. <laughs> I don't know if that's possible. Um, they ranked 41st in offense, 36th in defense. So pretty even, uh, team balanced on both sides of the ball, 15 returning starters, eight on offense, seven on defense. With the Big Ten putting the squash on nine win Indiana this season, how many wins do you predict for the Hoosiers? Uh, ten win or ten game season, um, depending on what their crossover games are. I'm going to go seven and three. Uh, I think, I think they upset somebody this year. I don't know who it is. Um, I don't think they'll beat Ohio State. Ohio State has too much talent. Uh, Penn I think State, Penn State, because they're supposed to get them at home or Wisconsin or Michigan, they're going to beat one of those three teams because I think they're going to play all four of them. Originally, what the schedule looked like is they were going to have Wisconsin opening week and then like three cake games, and then they were going to get like Rutgers and Michigan State and like Maryland. And then they were going to – Maryland at Rutgers and then at home against Michigan State and then Penn State. Yeah, so they were looking at being 6-1. and If they managed to beat Wisconsin, they were going to potentially be 7-0 and on Halloween hosting Penn State which I thought would set up for a fantastic night game uh, with this whole thing. I still like them hosting Penn state. And I like that potentially as an upset game. Cause I think Michael Penix is going to be a top three or four quarterback in the big 10 this year. There aren't, aren't a lot of great guys returning other than Justin Fields, Michigan. You don't know Penn state, obviously uh, Clifford is good. Not great. Um, Tanner, the rest Morgan. Of it. Tan- Tanner Morgan will probably be number two between him and Justin Fields. They'll be the top two quarterbacks. After that, it's kind of toss-up. You have guys like Adrian Martinez. I always get a new quarterback. I think Michael Penix, because he won the freshman of the week two times in a row before he got injured. Don't be surprised if he's one of the top three or four quarterbacks in the conference this year. Yeah, I feel like seven wins for them is pretty realistic. Um, the They Penn should State be. At home. They should beat Maryland. They should beat Michigan State. They should beat Rutgers. They should, that's yeah. three wins off the shoot. It's yeah. of who they draw on the other side, in my opinion. 
Right. And I mean, Illinois is definitely a winnable game for them later in the season. Same with Purdue to wrap up. Um, Michigan isn't outlandish to think they could win that. Um, Penn State at home, like you guys said, I think that's a that's a juicy one for them. They only lost by a touchdown to them last season. Bringing them home, returning a lot of their starters, that's definitely a winnable game for them this year. Um, I, I think their mentality is at a point where they, they're kind of expecting themselves to win the games. Um, they did get blown out by Michigan last year in the second to last game, but I think... And that was with Shane on, Patterson. Uh, yeah, we don't, we don't talk about him. Uh, but yeah, they should be able to build on the talent that they have and, and hopefully get a seven-win season. I feel like that's a, a very realistic uh, goal for them this year. Yeah, depending on playing hypotheticals here, um, looking at the current slate of the nine Big Ten games they have here, I think best case scenario, I'd have them at six and three with losses at Wisconsin, at Michigan, and at Ohio State. Um, they could possibly go on the road and upset Wisconsin or, or Michigan. I won't put those out. I don't obviously don't think they're going to go into Columbus and win there, but. Um, the other two are possible. That's also saying that they might beat Penn state. So uh, that's the best case scenario that maybe they lose to Penn state beat Michigan or something like that. But I think six and three out of that nine game stretches is is pretty favorable. Um, This is a team again, returns a lot of offensive talent, Hendershot, Stevie Scott, uh, Michael Penix, Bob Fillier. And they were pretty balanced last year as well. So I I do think Indiana is just, still probably going to sit just below those top three, three or four schools. Um, but I think they're, they're kind of the, I wouldn't be shocked to see them upset one of those schools in either Penn state, Wisconsin or Michigan this season. Um, depending on what ends up happening schedule wise. I have a question. Do you think Indiana can ever break into the top three in the East? Like the finishing the top three in the East. Consistently, no, but I, yeah, I mean, it's college football. I hate to ever say no, because all it takes is one school to have um, one school to end up having a, a down year. Um, Honestly, this year, all you need is a player to get COVID or a couple of guys to get COVID, and then it changes your entire collective complexion of your team. Well, and that, and that largely is why, uh, like, Indiana's – Indiana's in that spot because you have all that talent offensively. You you played a pretty balanced ball last year. Michigan, we don't know what's going on offensively there with the quarterback situation and all that. Are they going to ever have a decent quarterback? Wisconsin, no. Who knows what ends up happening there uh, against in that game? But in terms of Penn State, Ohio State, I don't think they'll be better than Penn State this year. There's a possibility they could be better than Michigan. Uh, I won't rule that out because there's so many question marks with that team uh, on one side of the ball. But, um, yeah, consistently, no. But, yeah, I mean, it's college football. Outside of Rutgers, I'd say pretty much anybody. Rutgers in Maryland, I'd say maybe. All right. Uh, Let's move on to the third I team here. We have the Iowa Hawkeyes. They went 10-3 and last year. Uh, offensively, they finished 99th. Defensively, they finished 12th, uh, which explains how they got to 10 and 3. I was like, uh, I, didn't, I didn't realize Iowa won 10 games last year. I thought they were like did. 8. 
I didn't either, to be quite honest with you. Um, <laughs> nine returning starters, five on offense, four on defense, uh, ended up winning the Holiday Bowl against USC last offseason. Will the offseason issues surrounding Kirk Ferentz and the coaching staff have any effect on the Hawkeyes this season? Maybe, probably, I think. I don't know. I mean, I think stuff will get blown over. Um, I think there might be some lasting impacts on some of it. Losing a strength coach, I think, is the biggest impact out of all of this. But since they're pretty much done with conditioning before the season, I don't know if it'll have that big of an impact. I think you'll see the biggest impact in like January when they go have to use a new strength coach and they pretty much had the best in the country. They're the highest paid at least. Uh, I think the biggest thing is the fact they only returned nine starters and they had an atrocious offense and people don't really like Brian Ferentz as the offensive coordinator. So you're not really returning many starters. Uh, people already think your offense sucks and it was really, really bad last year. Yeah, I feel like some of those issues are definitely going to linger. Um, the positive is that they have a lot of time here to get them worked out before the the season starts. Um, hopefully, they've worked out a good bit of it in like by now. Um, otherwise, it's just going to be an incredibly rocky season. Uh, but they do lose Nate Great Stanley, who's really not so great. But losing him is still a pretty big hit to that. That team, he was pretty productive. Um, I mean, only throwing for 3,000 yards last season. That's pretty decent. Um, so, I mean, it, the expectations definitely are not going to be another 10-win season. Well, I feel like even seven might be high for them this year, but they could be a similar team to Indiana. Um, but, yeah, that the lack of returning starters is definitely a hurt for them. Yeah, um, they obviously lose um, Tristan Worse offensively. Uh, they lose A.J. Epinesa on defense, a couple of defensive backs as well. They return Alaric Jackson, one of their uh, key offensive tackles as well. But, yeah, I mean, Iowa's going to be a questionable squad. Um, they always tend to win games. Uh, the fair and stuff is going to be interesting to see, like you said, Jay Cal, how that all kind of plays into things moving forward. Um I do think they're going to take a, a decent step back this season, though, um, depending on, especially depending on the quarterback play. I mean, it's hard to replace such a, a legendary player such as Nate Stanley. Nate the Great. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I think they're going to be a little worse than they were last year, but it's Iowa at the same time. They always tend to hang around the bottom half of the top 25 uh, and so on and so forth. So um, we'll kind of see moving forward how that uh, affects everything. But, yeah, I mean, losing the strength coach, especially one of the best in the country, um, and really such a key when you think of Iowa Hawkeye football, it's so much on that offensive line and the strength and being able to move guys and stuff like that. Uh, it's going to take a, a toll, maybe not as much this season, but definitely going forward. All right, let's go a little bit to the bottom tier here with the Maryland Terrapins. Um, they are pretty consistent offensively and defensively. They finished 109th, uh, nine returning starters, five, five on offense, four on defense. 
What's Maryland's ceiling for 2020? Oh, Lord. Uh, depends if Taluia Tungabailoa gets cleared or not to play. I mean, I don't think he's a savior by any means, but I'm, I think he's going to be better than Josh Jackson. Josh Jackson threw, I just read this, he threw 11 touchdowns in the first eight games, and that was the most for a Maryland quarterback since 2010. That's abomination that's awful um, that's counting that's counting the first two games too where they were amazing scored like 180 points in two <laughs> games or something it was some ungodly number they scored like 80 points both games uh i in a 10 game season like maybe three wins like maybe i i don't know i i think maybe they could beat uh michigan state maybe they could beat Rutgers. And then they need to draw like Northwestern or they have Northwestern. Yeah. I, I don't have the schedules. I didn't know if they were going to do them any different with, cause they're doing 10 games or if they're just going to add yeah. one more, but they need to do that. And they need to get really lucky with that 10th game because I think three wins at max and three kind of feels like a push to me. Yeah. I think three is probably their ceiling. Even if they draw another, another team out of the, West that's winnable, like Nebraska or something. Three is still a lot for them. Um, they don't return a lot, and I don't think there was a ton of talent on that team before. So they lost their best running back with McFarland, and I mean they might have some stuff behind it. Like they're bringing in a five-star freshman wide receiver, but like you know you didn't get time to practice. So how is that going to be? You know, you bring in a transfer quarterback. How is that going to be? So I just don't think this is the year. I think if they're building, it's going to be at least another two years away. Yep. That's fair. Yeah. I think they'll beat Rutgers and that's probably it. Um, I don't see a whole lot that's favorable on that schedule. At least the, the current one uh, in terms of who they play in the big 10, maybe Northwestern, um, but yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't see it this year. I think there's still some more building that's going to have to end up going for Maryland moving forward. And also, uh, the shortened season, losing those out of conference games where your team has the, there are sort of essentially practices and help your team get better is definitely going to make them struggle. I think over the course of a shortened season like this. Um, so I think one or two wins stops for Maryland this year. All right, uh, let's go down to uh, well, go up, I guess, uh, to Michigan. The Wolverines, nine and four last season. Offensively, sixty eighth in the country. Defensively, though, eleventh. Uh, Ten returning starters, only three offensively, seven on defense. Uh, is there an, any hope for Michigan that can get consistency on offense? No. Nope. Depends. Depends how fast they figure out a quarterback. I mean. Depending on who you ask on Michigan social media, half of them are all about Joe Milton, the other half about Dylan McCaffrey. Like if that if you get a decided before the first game and you don't let it drag into the season, I think there's a chance, maybe. I mean, Shea Patterson had some success depending on the time of the year. Um, before that, they were awful with the Wilton Spade and John O'Corn and you know, Jake Rudock wasn't anything too special. Like I don't know. I feel like it's put up or shut up time for Jim Harbaugh in Michigan. Like you need to, you need, you need to make it happen. You were coming in as this quarterback guru and you've had all these guys and you've recruited guys and just, they all suck. Um, so 
I think they might get some consistency, but I don't think it's going to be a top 20 offense. I think they still play a little bit too of an old style. I don't think that style necessarily works as much uh, here with Michigan as it did in Stanford. So I don't, I think the philosophy feels a little outdated at this point. As of now, they have both Wisconsin and Minnesota on their schedule for this season. Yikes. Yeah, that's not going to be a fun one for them. Um, Which ones are home? uh, Wisconsin's home, Minnesota's on the road. So they got one and one. And then they're obviously at Ohio State this season to end it. Um, They host Penn State, right? They do, yeah. Yeah. They uh, play host Wisconsin, host Penn State, at Michigan State, at Minnesota. Granted, Michigan State kind of sucks right now, but... That still is a game that they tend to play pretty close just because it's the in-state rivalry. Um, I mean, their schedule's not favorable. Dylan McCaffrey was one they were pretty high on last year, and they they talked about him a lot. And and when he came in and was a a bit of a difference maker in the games just because he was a change of pace from Shea Patterson. And then he died at Wisconsin. Yeah. Yeah. And then he got decapitated, which I felt (laughs) bad for because, like, I was – I'm not even a Michigan fan. Well, I am one day out of the year, but like screaming at my TV for weeks on end just to get rid of Shea Patterson and put McCaffrey in, and then they did it and he died. So I was like, eh, I kind of felt bad, but just gotta give the kid a chance. Give him more of a chance. I feel like he's got enough talent. Well, they did, to, and he died because well, they yeah, couldn't I mean, put it back give him, give him another chance where he doesn't die immediately. Although, if you don't add a game before Wisconsin, they start the season against Wisconsin. <laughs> so big yikes. Oof. Um, yeah, I guess if they were to add a game, it would need to be before Wisconsin. So hopefully they don't, they don't get another uh, challenging opponent. So well, right it, now, if, if they just started the season, they would start at home against Wisconsin and then at home against Penn state and then against rival Michigan state. Yep. I would love and to then at, start and then at Minnesota. So give me Owen for Michigan Wolverines. Like you better call up. I don't know. Like get Rutgers on the line to (laughs) switch out and go to week one. Like, uh, well, I think it has to, because Indiana was supposed to play Wisconsin, like actually week one. So I think the schedule will have to get changed up a little bit. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. um, Yeah. I think there's, yeah, they'll, somebody will be, put in the week one. I don't know. I don't know the logistics behind it. Do you think Harbaugh uh, lets Josh Gaddis actually have control of the offense finally? Mm, who knows? Um, I think he has to have full control soon. I know he had some input last year, but I think at some point you got to give him full control. But still, even, even though last, even with that input, I mean, it didn't make tons of difference. Um, like you said, Jake, I do agree in terms of not that I think he's going to get fired or anything like that, but it is sort of put up or shut up. He's now got two quarterbacks that are his, um, you know, it's not a transfer like Patterson. Um, it's not shitty guys like O'Corn and, uh, well not as shitty as O'Corn at least yet. Um, and stuff like that. So here's two guys that are fully under his developmental hand, um, going in. So I think that's going to play a lot into how Michigan is going forward. 
um, depending on who wins. Uh, there is a huge question mark in terms of the offensive line as well. Um, depending on what ends up happening there. Uh, Jalen Mayfield, I think, is the only returning starter on that line. I think everybody else left for the NFL, uh, which is going to be a huge hit as well. They also lost Donovan Peoples-Jones to the NFL draft and uh, another one, Tariq Black, to Texas as well. So that's going to be a big hit as well uh, offensively uh, for the Wolverines. So there's a huge question mark in why they're going to try need to have a, an easier team, I think, in week one that, to jump into any of this deep schedule that they have um, as the season would progress. They would have started the season at Washington, which would have been a, a very interesting game to kick things off. Um, but, yeah, looking at it, I think this team is probably primed. I don't think they're going to beat Minnesota. I think they can beat Wisconsin, depending on how things go there. And then, obviously, probably not the year they're going to – beat Ohio State unless the season gets moved to the spring. All right, moving on over to their rival Michigan State. The Spartans went 7-6 and six last year. Offense ranked 95th in the country, 18th on defense, though. Six returning starters, three offensively, three defensively. Uh, what are the expectations in year one under Mel Tucker? Have a team that can take the field and, you know, be there and not get embarrassed. Um, I think Michigan State's going to be bad this year. I don't think they'll be very good. I think they'll be lucky to win two games. So expectations, I, I wouldn't really have any. Yeah, I set them at about the same level as like Maryland and Rutgers, pretty low. Uh, I don't expect them to be winning a whole lot of games. Rocky Lombardi was half decent when he came in for some of the games last year, but I think that was just because he was a change of pace kind of guy. And the, I think the Brian Lewerke is a better quarterback than Rocky Lombardi. I, I think bold. just because well, well, Brian Lewerke is not good, but I think he's Brian Lewerke got picked up by the Patriots. So I think secretly he actually is fantastic. That's true. The Chiefs didn't want him anymore. Yeah, exactly. I think <laughs> they Brian cut Lewerke him and took a... his 50 grand and gave it to Mahomes. Yeah, they did. They needed all every penny they could find. Uh, I think Lewerke was a good enough quarterback for the Big Ten, um, similar to Brandon Peters, Sean Clifford, you know, guys that will play for multiple years in the Big Ten and have a solid career-wise. You know, they're never going to you – know, they might set records just because they're there long enough, but I don't think they're ever going to be winning any national awards, any you know, first or second team uh, all-conference votes. But I don't think uh, Rocky Lombardi's me all that good. Uh, he's had a couple flashes. You know, he's athletic. He doesn't really have the best accuracy. I don't think them not having spring ball helped him at all because new coach, new quarterback, it's just set up for a disaster of all. Yeah, according to my uh, little Athlon sports book here, they actually have Peyton Thorne ahead of him on the depth chart. So it looks like they is. might be giving – yeah, a freshman quarterback for them. So they might be giving him a chance. Who knows? Worth a shot. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, depending on what happens with these schedules, uh, they are in for a rough one this year. Um, they at least get Northwestern to kick off things. Uh, depending on how things get switched up, though, they then have at one point a stretch that is at Iowa, 
at home against Michigan, home against Ohio State, at Indiana, home against Minnesota, at Penn State. That is a murderer's row of Big Ten teams, especially in a season like this with new head coach coming in, new quarterback, new basically everything around this team. Um, They're fortunate enough to end the season yet again with Maryland and Rutgers, so uh, schedule makers doing them a favor there. But maybe place one of those. Yeah, maybe put one of those teams in the middle of that uh, slaughter of uh, teams. So yeah, depending on what happens schedule wise, I see maybe three there. I think they could probably pick up a win against Northwestern, depending on how things go there Um, early on, and then Maryland and Rutgers at the end of the season. But it's not a good schedule. I don't think Michigan Michigan State has high hopes this season. Uh, I think it would be hard to. Uh, The book I have. has him ranked 39th, which is crazy to me. Uh, has him above Indiana, which I don't understand. Um, I, I don't see it. I, Mel Tucker didn't show enough of Colorado last year for me to sit here and say, wow, yeah, great hire. So, yeah, I don't I don't think Michigan State has high hopes this season. I think three, it's not like Michigan State was left with a plethora of talent to be ranked that high. Like, they, they, not there's not much in the cabinet. They they. They got into a bowl game last year because they played Rutgers in Maryland at the end of the season uh, to sneak up to six and six. Um, I mean, they did get a good win against Wake Forest in the bowl game, but still, um, I don't see it. Uh, I think it's going to be a tough task for Michigan State. Um, This is definitely a rebuilding year for them, and it's a good year to use as a rebuilding year as well. I mean, new head coach. you know, like you said, there's there's no spring practice, spring practices, and all that stuff. There's no real off season. Um, now they just went in, and had to quarantine the entire team for two weeks. Um, it's a real uphill battle this season for Sparty. Um, so we'll have to kind of see where they go with that. Based um, on their schedule, it would not shock me if they finish with like one win because if that schedule holds true and they play Northwestern and they go through that murderer's row and end with Maryland and Rutgers, they could be just fully defeated and checked out for the season by the time they get to that point. Now, granted, Maryland and Rutgers could too, but um, if they just have been getting smacked around, I think there's a chance that either one of the two between Maryland and Rutgers could win that game. So it depends. They play Rutgers at home, so I, I, I think it's hard for Maryland or Rutgers to go on the road, regardless oh, how beaten up Michigan is or State is. Then close at Maryland. So depending on how things go, that that's a toss up game too. Having to travel to Maryland for that one, um, but yeah, it's going to be a tough road regardless for them. All right, let's move on to the Golden Gophers, Minnesota, eleven and two last year, a magical. Uh, season for Minnesota offensively ranked 42nd in the country defensively 10th 12 returning starters eight on offense four on defense can Minnesota row its way past division rival Wisconsin for a big 12 uh, big 10 title berth if there's going to be a year it feels like this is the year for them I mean Tanner Morgan's coming back he's got Rashad Bateman um, you know they lose some guys on defense they lose some key players but it feels like we're the returning enough guys and Wisconsin is not expected to be a 10 11 win team this year um like they normally are because they do lose jonathan taylor not grant they probably have some guy that's sitting on the bench that we've all never heard of that's going to run for 2100 yards this fall even in 10 games but 
it feels like this is the year where they might be able to kind of get over that hump and start to push their way forward. Uh, you know, I've, I've read some things recently where someone believes that Minnesota could be the next Clemson. I think that's a little bit of a stretch. I think that's a little bit too far. Uh, I forget who it put it out. Maybe Pat Ford. I forget exactly who put it out. I think it came from Yahoo. Uh, where they think Minnesota could. I just don't think Minnesota has the resources. I could see Minnesota being on the level of like in Auburn for the Big Ten, like consistently one of the two or three best teams. But I think the thing you're going to get there, you know, they need to beat uh, Wisconsin this year. Yeah, I feel like a nine-win season in a 10-game schedule is not outlandish for them. Um, Their crossover games right now are uh, Maryland, Purdue, Maryland and Purdue, and Michigan State. Uh, Or Yeah, so it's not really out of the question for them to um, have a nine win season. Um, Will they be on the level of Clemson? I don't see that. I feel like they could just be duking it out with uh, Wisconsin for years to come to be in the big 10 championship. I feel like it's going to be kind of their show to run alongside Wisconsin. I mean, you're going to have Iowa pop in every once in a while too. Um, But right now you have Tanner Morgan and Rashad Bateman uh, both back it, it, I definitely agree. It feels like their year to win the Big Ten or win the Big Ten West at least um, and make it to the, the conference championship. Yeah, uh, to be quite honest with you, I don't think it's a stretch. Um, I think it's entirely possible you see two undefeated Big Ten teams playing in the championship. Um, this Minnesota team, they, they obviously lose Tyler Johnson, which – is uh, a big loss. They, but they returned Tanner Morgan, who I think is the second best quarterback in the conference. Um, Mo Ibrahim steps in at running back, who was very talented, uh, really good uh, running back last year um, as the second string guy. Um, you still have Rashad Bateman, uh, which uh, is you know probable first round pick next year uh and is better than tyler johnson in my opinion chris allman bell comes back he was their number three last year also another talented one uh, i believe they return their entire offensive line um uh, uh which is going to be a huge help the question i have for them is really on defense losing uh antoine winfield jr who was a star a leader in the secondary um, had, I think, seven interceptions last year, including two key ones against Penn State in that upset. Um, so, but if the defense doesn't struggle, uh, I think Minnesota is going to put up points, especially in a conference that, um, you know, some of these teams that they're facing, especially on the Western side, aren't going to be able to put up uh, the, the points and the firepower that Minnesota does. So I don't think it's entirely crazy. We'll kind of see what happens. I know there's a change at offensive coordinator as well. Um, and I think in terms of the, the, it's hard to ever sit here and say, wow, somebody's going to be the next Clemson. I, I do think the resources and stuff like that, but I think to an extent, I understand where the, uh, whoever ended up writing that article comes from uh, in terms of PJ Fleck and the likability of the head coach and stuff like that. Rashad Bateman, it's it's well known. I mean, he was a, I think like a high highly uh, star recruit. I think he was a four star recruit out of Georgia, um, 
and had offers from Georgia and stuff. And he visited Minnesota and just committed on the spot and stayed with him the whole way. Just, um, and I think if PJ Fleck can, can get guys like that, uh, you know, maybe not consistently, it's going to be hard. It's Minnesota. It's cold, yada, yada. Um, it would be hard to be a Clemson, but I, I agree with you. I think they can be an Auburn who, uh, you know, every so often you might get an eight, nine win season. And then every so often, maybe you get, you know, 11, 12 games. You're going to a conference championship. You're playing for, uh, you know, a playoff berth or something like that. So I don't think that's out of the realm of possibility. And this year I think is a key year. Uh, they have to take another step forward. Uh, and I think they can, uh, especially with this schedule, um, you know, see see what ends up happening with Minnesota. But I do think they can get over the hump of Wisconsin this year. All right. Let's move to Nebraska. The Cornhuskers, they went 5-7 and seven last year, even though everybody in the country told you they were going to be great. Uh, offensively, they were 55th in the country, defensively 64th. 14 returning starters, 9 on offense, 5 on defense. Can Scott Frost finally get the Huskers past 500, or to 500 at least? You're not fooling me this year, Nebraska. No, I on a 10-game schedule, I think there may be six wins. The problem is I just don't know if they have the skill players to get them there yet. Like, you lose J.D. Spielman, who is was on pace to break every pretty much Nebraska receiving record this year. Um, Adrian Martinez did not feel like he took the step forward that he needed to last year. Looking forward to next year, like you're expecting him to really take a step forward, be a leader on the field, um, show a lot of progression, and you know be one of the top three or four quarterbacks in the conference, being as he will now have been starting for essentially three full seasons. So, but I just don't see it this year. They've had a bunch of guys transfer out over the last couple of years. Just doesn't feel like the optimism is there. And I, I don't know if they're going to win the games that they need to this fall. Yeah. Adrian Martinez did not impress me. I mean, last year, I'm pretty positive I sat here and said that Nebraska was going to win the West and they were going to upset Ohio State in the regular season. And that was clearly one of the most wrong things I've ever said because that just didn't happen. But I'm not going to sit here and say that again. Uh, I don't have any expectations better than what they showed on the field last year. Um I still don't think Adrian Martinez is the the quarterback to really lead that team um, unless he takes a massive step forward this year, but without spring ball and without a ton of practice leading up to the season, I don't see that as a true possibility for them. Um, So I just, I don't really see them moving forward at all, especially with their stretch of Ohio state, Penn state, Iowa, Wisconsin, and Minnesota to end the season as long as that kind of holds, uh, that's going to be a rough time for them. Yeah. Looking at that schedule, uh, out of the nine games, depending on if they move to 10, who they get, uh, 
I think best case scenario, you're looking at five five wins maybe if they can get a slip up, if they can take a step forward and maybe get one of those teams late to slip up. Uh, but you're probably looking at four and five out of that. And the first four games on that schedule, not too bad. Um, I think it's Purdue, uh, Northwestern, Illinois, and Rutgers. Um, all winnable games. Uh, but yeah, uh, it's a tough end of the year for them. Uh, depending on who they draw, should they move to 10 games, it'll be interesting. I think they're going to hover right around that. But yeah, I mean, Adrian Martinez needs to continue to take, take a step forward, losing uh, Spielman, and they lost two highly touted South Florida recruits in the last couple weeks. Um, and the defensive back area, uh, it's going to be interesting, but I don't see them taking much of a step forward this year. Uh, and if that's the case, then things are going to start to get a little bit hot under Scott Frost. Cause if they can't start to get past, get to at least 500 or get past 500, uh, in year three of Scott Frost's tenure, it's, uh, not looking super great, uh, moving forward. All right, let's move on to the Northwestern Wildcats three and nine last year. Uh, the offense was 124th in the country. Defensively, though, they were 25th, um, which is quite a wide margin. 16 returning starters on this team. Will the addition of Indiana transfer Peyton Ramsey improve a horrid offense for the Wildcats? Uh, slightly. Uh, we're not going to talk about Hunter Johnson this year because I, uh, I, I whiffed on that one a lot last year. It was a really, uh, really bad take. Quite a big one. Quite a big whiff. I, I don't know if I had a bigger whiff at all last year. Uh, I mean, the fact that Northwestern had a quarterback named Aiden. I mean, unofficially, we've said that that's the only quarterback to ever start named Aiden in college football. And, of course, he starts for Northwestern. False. Who's the there other was one? also an there was an Aiden that played on Purdue. So when they played each other, they both had a quarterback named Aiden, which I said was the first time that's ever happened in college football history. It's we don't even need to fact check that because we know that's true. <laughs> There's no reason to fact check that. Uh, I mean, I think Peyton Ramsey should be able to help. I mean, I think I go back and forth if I think Pat Fitzgerald is one of the best coaches in the country or not because he has an uphill battle because he's at Northwestern. They actually have standards of academics you need to you know comply with and you know he does good things and you know two years ago he was in the big 10 championship game but he also didn't win an out of conference game but he went undefeated in the big 10 so he was nine and three you know i i go back and forth i think pat fitzgerald's a good coach i don't know if it's i don't he doesn't have a good offensive mind they run a slow boring very still big 10 offense that doesn't really do anything for me. I, I think they'll they'll be better, but I just don't think they'll be what they were two years ago. And but I don't think they'll be as bad as they were last year, where you know they struggled to just move the ball forward. Yeah, this offense. I feel like they need to uh, develop more of a passing game, which I think Peyton Ramsey should help them with. Uh, last year, they averaged four and a half yards per pass attempt. Um, but if you account the yardage due to sacks instead uh, subtracting them from passing yards, they average 3.7 yards per passing play. So their offensive line needs to give Ramsey some some protection. Uh, four out of the five linemen are returning aside from the center. 
Um, so you should have a good base there. And then Peyton Ramsey should be an upgraded quarterback. So they should be able to develop a better passing game this year. Um, that'll definitely help them. Do I think that they're going to be a 500 team this year? Probably not. I don't see them taking big steps forward. Um, although it wouldn't shock me if they did end up 500 with that addition of Peyton Ramsey and what appears to be a easier road in conference. Uh, they have Michigan state, they have Nebraska, Maryland, uh, Illinois. So it's not outlandish for them to get five wins this year. Um, but I don't think that that's the expectation there. Yeah, I think, uh, I do think he's going to improve the offense, uh, a decent amount. It's hard to be worse than they were last year. They were almost at the very bottom of the country. Uh, regarding Pat Fitzgerald, I think, uh, he's 99 and 79 in 14 years at Northwestern. Uh, so that's enough for me to say that he is a very good football coach. Um, and if he had gone somewhere else, I think he'd have a better record. Um, obviously he's still there cause it's his alma mater. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's always an uphill battle and it, it's, when you're at a school like that, you see with Stanford too, it's, it's hard to run more electric offense. Uh, I, I think, um, you know, Vanderbilt's the exact same way they're playing the sec, but their offense is never exciting to watch. Um, I think that's more the style because that's the kind of players you're able to recruit a little bit better. Um, so I get that. Yeah. They, they play a traditional style. I do think Ramsey will improve the offense. Like I said, um, the defense should stay about the same. They're led by Patty Fisher, who's a traditional Northwestern Big Ten linebacker, just hard nose um, guy in the middle there. Um, so I don't think they're going to be about 500, but I think they're going to look better and be a little bit more competitive than they were last year, uh, especially offensively. Um, all right. Um, let's get to you guys' squad. Ohio State Buckeyes, 13-1. and one. They lost in the playoff semifinals to Clemson when Justin Fields couldn't hit his receiver going in the right direction. Shut up. Uh, they were ranked fourth on offense, first on defense last year, 10 returning starters. Um, so what percentage chance do you guys give Ohio State to slip up in one game in the regular season? 3%. I was going to say 2 I'll just, say four. <laughs> <laughs> Even though they only returned 10 starters, they're absolutely loaded. Uh, the depth on this team is ridiculous. You know, they lose guys like KJ Hill and Austin Mack and Ben Victor on a wide receiver, but you have guys like Garrett Wilson who weren't actually starters who made big plays down the stretch uh, who are stepping in. So while you lose a starter at wide receiver, Garrett Wilson played plenty of snaps to essentially step in and fill that role. You also bring in the number one wide receiver in Julian Fleming, who should easily play this fall. You bring in another five-star wide receiver in Jackson Smith and Jigba. You know, they return three guys on the offensive line, Justin Fields. You know, they bring in Trey Sermon at running back. And Master Teague is still there. Master Teague had 800 yards rushing last year. I mean, the offense is going to be stout again. The defense, they return... Um, two linebackers and another one that rotated in and another one that actually rotated in. I mean, the losses of Chase Young and Jeff Okuda are going to be 
visible. But when you return a guy like Sean Wade, um, you know, while he might not be Akuda's level, like he's still going to be a first round cornerback next year. Like they don't really have anybody exactly like a Chase Young, but not many people do just sitting on their bench or else they would be playing. Um, I think the defensive line will take a step back, but I think it'll still be one of the best in the Big Ten. I just don't know if it'll be like the best in the nation again. Uh, they should go ten and zero, like very easily. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it, I can't even say it's biased because this team is just absolutely loaded, like Jake said. And if there was a player to even attempt to fill the shoes of uh, Chase Young, Zach Harrison might be that guy. He's looking like he should be a phenomenal defensive end for him. Just another um, five star defensive end who played as a freshman. Yeah. Um I like I don't really know what else there is to say about this team. It's it, it hopefully we have a playoff because I think we talked about this uh, a while ago. If Ohio State doesn't have a playoff to play for, like it just it's it's going to be a bit of a letdown in the season. Um just because of the talent on this team, they lost in the semifinal last year. Should have been better. Should have scored in the red zone. Whatever. We don't talk about that game anymore. But they should be back there this year. And to not have that uh, would be a pretty big blow to this team. The only concern for me this year is the depth at secondary. Because you have pretty much a clear-cut safety who's going to start. Josh Proctor is going to start at safety. And then they play three corners, and you have Sean Wade at one of them. And you still have two other spots. I mean, there's a lot of guys that are there, but who's actually going to win the starting jobs? A lot of guys don't have uh, the experience playing in the big time moments because they did kick two guys off the team for stuff they probably did and are probably going to go to jail, but we'll keep going. Uh, So the depth there is the only concern for me. And the thing about the Big Ten is you've got plenty of time to figure it out because you don't have too many guys that are going to throw all day on you. And they don't play Minnesota you, right now. Yeah, you've got Penn State in the middle of the season. Uh, oh, at and least. playing at Penn State with no fans, like Ohio State by double digits. Yep. But yeah, you don't really have a passing game to to worry about with Rutgers, Iowa, and Michigan State, as long as that holds. Yeah, be a real shame if Justin Fields just happened to get COVID right before the Michigan game. Can you not? But <laughs> I still yeah. put money on Ohio State in that game. I still put money on um, Ohio State pretty easily. But yeah, I don't I don't see a slip up in the regular season for this team, especially if there's no fans at Penn State. If there are fans for the Penn State game, then you know I think there's a, a fighting shot, just historically speaking. Uh the games in Happy Valley are always pretty interesting between the two. But yeah, if, if there's no fans for that environment, then I don't see Penn State putting up that much of a fight against them. Um, and I guess it also comes down to the issues of, you know, as long as the, as long as the season's being played in the fall, I think Ohio State's fine. If it's played in the spring, they're going to lose about 10 players off of this roster. Um, Can you not? That's the only issue. That's the only way I see Ohio State slipping up is if they have to play in the spring. Yeah, because the NFL uh, draft will be calling in. Every draft eligible player is going to be gone. Yes. So that's really the only issue I see for Ohio State there. But outside of that, they should run the table. Um, 
fairly easy, uh, all things considered, not having to travel to Oregon. Um, they should be double-digit favorites in almost every game. Yes, uh, that is correct. That maybe uh, Michigan, maybe Penn State are the only ones that they might not be double-digit favorites, depending on how their seasons go. Um. Wow, you're just gonna you're just gonna shit talk Indiana like that, man. Just <laughs> shame. In, sometimes Indiana, you're a fan Indiana of, comes to Columbus, so summer. Sometimes you know you're just a fair weather fan. It, I it's know. Fine. Uh, all right, let's talk about Ohio State's biggest oh. rival now, Penn State, <laughs> because oh, because the other team doesn't win ever against them. So, uh. If you ask Penn State fans, this is the biggest rivalry. Uh, the Nittany Lions went 11-2 and last year. Offensively 57th, defensively 34th. They were 100th against the pass, though. That's going to come up in a second. Um, 13 return- returning starters, 8 on offense, 5 on defense. Can an experienced secondary take a leap forward to boost the defense to a cha- championship caliber? Again, 100th against the pass last year which is a huge issue. They were great against the run. They allowed 47 completions of more, 20 or more yards. Yikes. Uh, didn't they lose a couple guys off their defensive or secondary? Like John Reed, I think. Uh, John Reed, but uh, Castro Fields is back as well as their safeties. Lamont Wade, yeah. Uh, I mean, they should improve. Uh, Castro Fields is solid. Lamont Wade it should be in upper half of the – uh, upper half secondary uh, safety in the, in the division in the Big Ten. They should improve. Uh, I don't know how you're 10th against the pass in or 100th against the pass, and the Big Ten doesn't pass very much. The only two real passing teams they played were Minnesota and Ohio State, and I guess Shea Patterson did well in the second half against them. So I'm not really sure how they end up 100th. So you would hope that, that improves. The defense is going to have to lead them just because. I'm not super sold on this offense. I think Journey Brown is a really good running back, but other than that, I don't really believe that there's much behind them. Uh, they're not going to sit here and run the triple option. I don't think they can run the ball for 350 yards every game, and I'm not sure Sean Clifford is going to be capable of consistently throwing for 250 to 300 yards against solid defenses, uh, especially when he has almost no weapons other than Pat Fryermuth. Um, Micah Parsons, though, should be the best linebacker in the country, should win the Buckus Award, should win all of the awards. So if they can get some of that fixed, they should go nine and one pretty easily. Yeah. I, I'm still not huge on Sean Clifford. I don't think he's, I'd, I'd probably put, um, I don't know. Probably a lot he's of the a game guys, manager. Yeah. I'd say he's probably like a fourth or fifth best quarterback in the big 10. Um, Pat Fryermuth is his biggest weapon on offense, so you know he's going to be the target all of the the time. Um, on defense, Michael Parsons, like you said, is just absolutely absurd. Um, so they're going to rely heavily on him to lead that defense. Um, but I, I'm just not sold on them. Like you guys kind of mentioned, if if they don't have a crowd for that Ohio State game that I don't think is going to be a win for them. Um, the crowd is what gives them the edge in every whiteout game. But even if it's half capacity, that's still not 50 fans versus or 50,000 fans versus a hundred thousand fans is not the same. So 
even if even if it's half capacity at most in that stadium, I still give the edge to Ohio State. Yes, that's probably biased, but I still think the talent on that Ohio State team is better. Um, that being said, that's probably the only loss of the year for Penn State. Um, nine and one is a very reasonable expectation for them. They should be able to get beat Michigan. Uh, Indiana is another one they should win but could lose um, since it's at Indiana. And then the rest of their schedule, they should win because Northwestern's their Northwestern and Iowa are their crossover games, even though Iowa always gives them a fight. Yeah, I think a uh, quick look at this, the current state of the schedule. I think there's two losses. I think Ohio State and then either Michigan or Indiana they'll fall to. Uh, Michigan, that's a series that whoever the home team is wins typically. Um, they play on the road at Michigan this year. They get by them. I think there's also a chance that they end up losing to Indiana. I don't think they'll lose both of those games. Um, yeah, it really comes down to Sean Clifford taking another step forward. Uh, who can step up and replace KJ Hamler's production at wide receiver as well? The run game is going to be very good for him. Again, they return uh, quite a few offensive linemen. Pat Fryermuth, one of the best tight ends in the country as well. Um, also on the defensive side of the ball, obviously Michael Parsons is there. We talked about the defensive backs. It's uh, not a young group, so if they can take a step forward, they should be a bit better. They'd also lost Garrett Taylor. That's the other guy, their safety, um, this past offseason. But, yeah, Michael Parsons, probably the best linebacker in the country, uh, or at least him and Dylan Moses are right there. Um, Yeter Gross Matos is, is, is a pretty big loss, but they have Shaka Tony and uh, a young guy named Jason Owa, who is a freakish athlete at the defensive end spot, who I think uh, is going to step up and uh, be pretty good for him as well. So I think Penn State all in all is going to be pretty good. They'll probably be you know, around the top 10, like they always are. Uh, I don't think they'll make the playoffs, but uh, I think one or two losses at least is on that schedule, uh, depending on how things play out for the uh, Nittany Lions. All right, on to the Purdue Boilermakers. Four and eight last year. Offensively, they were 75th in the country. Defensively, 11 returning starters on this team. Six offensively, five on defense. Can Purdue get enough from the quarterback position and the defense to be a factor in the big 10 West. Not this year. I think that they can take a step forward because everybody was injured last year, but I'm not sure it is enough to set them up to be at the top of the big 10 West. I think they will be in the middle of it. I don't think they will be at the bottom like they were last year. I think they should be better than Northwestern. I think they could be per- be better than Illinois and Nebraska. I don't know if they'll be better than Iowa, Minnesota, or Wisconsin. So I think they could finish fourth. I don't know if they can get up to third this year. Yeah, I mean, you have Rondale Moore back. Hopefully he can stay healthy this year because he's easily their biggest weapon on offense. And I know he was injured for a lot of the last year. Um, Him and David Bell are a great tandem. Yeah, when they're healthy. Exactly. So if they stay healthy, then then you're looking at a uh, – I think middle of the road also. I don't know if they're going to, they could like, I guess maybe steal one from Minnesota, Wisconsin or um, Illinois maybe, but I, well, they should beat Illinois, but I don't see them being the third best team out of the, the West. Um, I mean, I guess Iowa would be the other one you're, you're maybe stealing a win from. 
but I, I think the the quarterback position is probably their biggest question mark. They had Jack Plummer and Aiden O'Connell last year. Um, I believe they kind of split it. I think that was also partly due to injuries, um, the starting job at least. So you look for one of them to be locked up as the starter and hopefully stay healthy. And um, they're going to, I think they're going to be a, a team to watch out for in every game, but I don't think they're going to be a force to really be reckoned with. If that makes sense. Yeah, I don't, I don't anticipate them being, um, super competitive, uh, this year. I, I do think maybe their offense, if the quarterback position is good enough, they could, you know, pull an upset on a Wisconsin or something like that. Um, down the line because of how explosive their wide receivers are. Uh, maybe the best wide receiver tandem in the Big Ten. But uh, outside of that, there's not a ton of talent on this team, I don't think, um, to compete with the Minnesotas, the Wisconsins, uh, for that championship um, representing the West half of the Big Ten. So uh, on the plus side, if he's healthy, Rondale Moore is always a good reason to tune into some Purdue football. Uh, guy's going to be a first round pick next uh, April. Uh, but outside of that, yeah, I mean, unless a lot of this team can step up and take a step forward, it's going to be tough for Purdue to challenge those squads. All right. Let's go to, let's go dumpster diving, guys. The Rutgers Scarlet Knights, two and 10 last year. Uh, they were, I think, dead last, or if not close, 129th offensively uh, and 98th defensively. Ten returning starters, five offense, five defense. Uh, Will, in a shortened season with no um, help from outside the Big Ten, will Rutgers even win a game? Uh, I'll give them one. I don't know who it'll be, but I'll give them one. I don't know. Maybe it'll be Michigan State or uh, Maryland. I think those are the two. Those are the three worst teams in the Big Ten. The, the East has the three worst and the three best. Uh, they, three, of the, three of the four best. Those two teams, they both have to travel on the road for. Yeah, <laughs> you know, sometimes <laughs> you get lucky. Like maybe half. Maybe half the team will get COVID. Like you know, you know I, I think they'll win one. I think the return of Shiano will put some you know fun back into the program. I think they'll get some new life and rejuvenated energy. Uh, I think they win one. I don't know who it'll be. I think it might be lucky. It'll probably win like seven to six, but like, you know, Hey, I'll take my chance. They also have Nebraska on the schedule. So that could be a win too. I don't think it'll be Nebraska. That's a little too much. Probably not. I, I mean, I think one is their Well, yeah. One's probably their ceiling in the big 10 only schedule. Uh, I mean, they have a lot of returning guys, but when your team was essentially a dumpster fire last year and you don't have spring ball, I don't really see it improving too much. They um, did get a lot of transfers, a lot of did. quality transfers. So they got like Brendan White from Ohio State, who was the Rose Bowl MVP when Urban Meyer was there. Um, they got a bunch of other guys that transferred into the program. So they did get a nice influx in talent, but the not having spring practice is where it kills them because they and they're quarantining right now as well. Uh, so I think that their talent did go up significantly with Greg Schiano came in because they did bring out all these transfers that are immediately eligible, but not enough to win more than one game this fall. 
Um, yeah, uh, Noah Vedral is another one, a quarterback. Uh, I think played at UCF and Nebraska with Scott Frost. Uh, he comes in, which it, it's impossible to be worse than Art Sikowski was. So um, I can't believe he just committed to Miami at one point. He was, uh, and thankfully he decided to go to Rutgers instead. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, so that's that. They should take a step forward there. Uh, like I said, though, their schedule is not forgiving um, with the bottom tier teams uh, being road games, which isn't going to be easy. Uh, it is a shame that the Big Ten has taken away their one chance at a victory this year uh, against Temple. Um, so that's a smackdown. They wouldn't have. That would have been Rutgers coming out party. Uh, <laughs> Shut up. Um, <laughs> Uh, so yeah, to be honest with you, I don't think they win a game. Um, I do think they'll be competitive in quite a few of these games though. Um, probably not against Ohio state, but some of the other games, I do think they could be competitive. Um, but in this shortened season with all the off season stuff and the, the, it's a better team in terms of talent, but that's not saying a whole lot when you're talking about Rutgers. Um, I think it's going to be a couple years before Shiano's got this team, maybe to bowl eligibility. And, and this is kind of one of those seasons when you're rebuilding that you kind of have to just kind of chalk up as, as a loss and hope that, um, you can get some growing pains out of the way. So All right. the one thing about Rutgers when they play Ohio state, it's the only game that I, for Ohio state, I only watch like the first quarter because I get tired of watching it after the first quarter. So I usually flip away every other game. I'll watch at least halftime, even like the bowling greens and whatnot. Rutgers is the only one that I really stop paying attention after the first quarter. I think you're a worse fan than Gibble. It's so bad after the first quarter. Cause it's just like, it's just, just like watching wake murder. Third quarter. So it's like watching murder on TV. They're just like getting beat with baseball bats. And it's like, it's hard to watch at a certain point. We almost went to the, one of those games one time at Rutgers, just because it was closer to us when we were in Philly. Yeah. I'm really glad we never decided to go because those games were bad. It was an absolute blow. It was like 60 to three or something. That's like every year though. But that's yeah. when you get to watch the stars of the, the upcoming stars like Tate Martell. Gibble and I did that for the Maryland game one time and it was like 56 to seven. And like yep. by the fourth quarter, there was like maybe like 150 fans in the stands. It was bad. Yep. I mean, it wasn't that how it was when we went to go see Ohio state and army. Uh, there was a couple more fans in there because 38 well, to seven. Well, there was second quarter. Yeah. I mean, but still, if I remember correctly, didn't, uh, uh, there were some backups playing late in that game. Oh, yeah, definitely um, were. Yeah. Definitely were. All right. Let's round out the Big Ten here with Wisconsin Badgers, 10-4 and four last year. Um, 38th offensively, 4th on defense last year. Another great year uh, for the Badgers on defense. Um, 13 returning starters, 5 offensively, 8 on defense. How great uh, will the losses of Jonathan Taylor, Quintus, Sivas be uh, affect the offense for the Badgers? I think you'll see it more in the beginning of the season. I think by the end of the year, they'll have some nice replacements in there. They just need to figure out who their star running back is going to be. And then I think they'll find someone to fill the void at wide receiver. 
Wisconsin seems to always have at least one or two guys at wide receiver that can make plays, whether it's like guys like Nick Toon or Jared Aberderish. They always find guys that can fill voids at their wide receiver spot. And I mean, hell, they could put Gibble at back there running back, and I'm sure he could probably run for a thousand yards. They just have like the largest offensive line that's ever been created and just like open massive holes. So I'm sure they'll find some guy that can run for 2,000 yards behind that line. Yeah, it's literally just trees that they put in front of their running back and quarterback. Um, it is good that they have Jack Cohn back because the start of their season, as long as the schedule doesn't get shaken up too much, is Indiana at Michigan, Minnesota. So those three games, I could see them losing at least one of them. Um, I don't think Jack Cohn is that good. I think he's very average. I think he's like Sean Clifford where there's like a, a set ceiling and they're not far away from it. I agree. I don't think he's anything great, but you at least have the consistency of getting him back, which is what I think will help them in those games. Um, It's always good to just have the experience of a quarterback who's solid. Uh, You know, he's going to get the job done. You know what kind of job he's going to get done too. Um, So you, you know where the expectations are. Hopefully they can figure out who's going to be the next Jonathan Taylor, essentially, or the, not really the next Jonathan Taylor because he's very difficult to replace, but you know, they're running back factory. So somebody's coming up and somebody's going to be running for a lot. Um, but I still think at least one of those games is losable. Indiana has been a solid team. You're at Michigan and you host Minnesota. Um, their expectations should be an, at least a nine win season as well. Um, but if you have an unfavorable start, could start off on the the wrong foot. Uh, yeah. I mean, I think they're going to challenge Minnesota here again. Uh, every time, I mean, Wisconsin is just a, a, a constant cycle of the same. Um, things never change there, especially now under Paul Christ. Um, it will be interesting to see. I think uh, Cephas and Taylor combine are combined for I think like fifty two percent of. Wisconsin's offensive production last year, which is going to be a huge thing to fill. I think Wisconsin's going to go more to a running back by committee approach, at least until maybe somebody breaks out. Um, Jake Ferguson's back, a a really good tight end for them. Uh, Defensively, they should be all right as well. Uh, Jack Cohn, he's never going to light the world on fire. He is very efficient, though. I think he was seventh in the country in completion percentage last year. Um, He's not a guy that's going to cost you the game, but... Uh, for the most part, but he isn't probably a guy that's going to uh, electrify teams uh, offensively. Uh, so, I mean, I guess what I'm saying is he's the perfect Wisconsin quarterback uh, for the most part. Um, but yeah, they should contend with Minnesota again. Um, maybe they go and get beat up again in the Big Ten title game by Ohio State. Um, who knows? Uh, I... But, yeah, I mean, it's Wisconsin. It's hard to think that they're going to get worse by by much. Uh, I think maybe you see them in a 10-game season win seven or eight games uh, with a loss here and there. All right. Uh, so, for the Big Ten, uh, we all have Ohio State winning, but who are they going to be playing? Uh, let's just go around like a billion Wisconsin. I mean, I like Minnesota, but Wisconsin's reliable. You know what you're going to get out of them. 
Paul Chris has done a really good job at Wisconsin. We'll just go with Wisconsin round, you know, like five or whatever, and Ohio State beat Wisconsin once again, a yearly tradition. Yeah, I'm going to take Minnesota. Um, I still think Ohio State is better than Minnesota, but I'm going to have Minnesota there. Um, like I, I did just say, Indiana and Michigan and Minnesota to start the Big Ten schedule for them. One of those is losable for Wisconsin. They could start off on the back foot, kind of trying to play catch up to uh, Minnesota this season. But I think Minnesota is good enough that they should expect a nine win season. All right. Uh, to round it out, I said it before. I'll say it again. I think it's going to be Ohio State and Minnesota. I think it'll be a close Big Ten title game. Uh, but I do think Ohio State will uh, end up beating Minnesota. Minnesota, I don't think they're quite there yet um, to challenge an Ohio State, uh, at least this Ohio State team that's going to be very uh, electric on the offensive side of the ball with Justin Fields. Um, so uh, we got two Ohio State Minnesotas and one Ohio State Wisconsin there for the Big Ten for our picks there. Let's shift over to the MAC for a sec. Uh, got a couple questions here. Um, first one, uh, the Mac seems to be pretty deep, deep conference this year. I think when I looked, I saw maybe six, seven teams that could compete uh, for the championship. Uh, do you think any one team in this conference is going to end up standing out uh, amongst the rest, or are they going to be similar to last year, where everybody's kind of jumbled mess? The problem with the Mac is it's so hard to separate yourself because of the turnover in this division, in this league, because you get transfers all the time from the big 10 schools, you know, the coaching turnover, um, you know, unless you have like a Frank Solich, but he's actually even never won the Mac. He just wins like eight games every year. Uh, You know, Toledo's had their time. Northern Illinois had their time. Um, It feels like every year there's a new team, Um, Buffalo, Ball State, Central Michigan, they've all Western Michigan have all been up and down in the last 10 years. Uh, I think we're in the same spot as this year. I don't think there's going to be one team that comes and uh, lights the world on fire. Yeah, I agree. There's really no like consistent standout in the conference. It really does just kind of shift all over the place. Any team can have their year almost any year. Um, But right now Buffalo does feel like they feel like the favorite. Um, they have a decent amount of returning players and and they, they feel like they're going to hold that consistency at least a little bit um, in the conference. Yeah, I think it's spread out uh, a little bit all over the place, personally. Uh, I think Buffalo probably is maybe the most talented team. Uh, I think Buffalo at least has the best player in the conference and Jarrett Patterson. Uh, they're running back. But outside of that, you'll Kent State probably has the best quarterback in the conference and Dustin Grum. You know, Miami probably has the best offensive line in the conference. Um, and you kind of go around the conference and, and all these different teams probably have a better one position. So it might come down more to depth uh, and so on and so forth. Um, so I don't necessarily see a team breaking out amongst the rest, especially this season. Um, I think you're looking at a, a more closed uh, you know, little fight club esque thing going on in the Mac there, uh, again this year, um, and probably for the foreseeable future. To be quite honest with you, 
Um, second question I have here is will Akron break its 17 game losing streak? Uh, I mean, yeah, no out of conference game sucks, but the Mac is weird where teams beat teams when they shouldn't. Um, so we'll take a chance that they go, they get one win. Why not? Um, I, maybe, I mean, they're really bad. They're really bad. I was, I was trying to find any reason to say yes. I'm just going to take a chance that somebody gets half their team gets COVID and then they win because of that. Yeah. It'd be like a win by default kind of thing for them, but they surrendered 58 sacks last year. That is so many sacks. Yeah. Um, they were the only FBS offense to score less than a point per possession. They were dead last in points per play and yards per possession. They also only averaged 1.8 yards per carry. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm just going to say keep the streak alive and go with no. Um, is the Mac going to conference only? Uh, I don't think they've announced that yet, but I feel like they're going to end up doing it unless they can figure out a deal with like the American. Um, well, depending on how things go, uh, I will say they are not beating Clemson. (laughs) I know. Hot take. Uh, <laughs> don't everybody jump on that at once. Um, you are if, if we don't get to see that game, quite honestly. Do uh, you think they would cover the spread? Do you think Clemson would cover the spread? And what do you think the spread would be? 100%. What do you think the spread would be? I don't, I, don't know, I don't know that Vegas would even put a line to that game. It would be like 60. It would have yeah, to be 60. I, and I don't think that Akron would score a point. I, I First I, of all... I I don't know if Trevor Lawrence would play past the four series. I don't know that there would even be a line then at that point. The highest line I think of all time is like 52 or something like that. It was like Ohio State and Rutgers, I think. Um, So I think you're probably looking at around 50, quite honestly. Um, But yeah, I think they'd cover that spread. Um, Now, depending on what the MAC does, I think obviously – Youngstown State, who knows? Uh, Bo Pelini's now gone back to LSU, so could win that game. Um, they also have two independents with uh, UMass and New Mexico State on the schedule, too. Um, both historically shitty schools. So I think there's a chance for Akron to break it should they not only play Mac, but if they only play Mac schools, I I don't know. As, as tight of a conference as the Mac is, um, Akron's so far below half these teams. Uh, they do for the running game. They do get an Indiana transfer, um, which would help out a little bit. Um, and Cole guest, but yeah, I mean, Akron's bad. Uh, to go. Oh, and 12 is a tough task. Um, the largest spread of all time is 70 and a half. Florida state was a 70 and a half point favorite in 2012 over Savannah state who was coming off a drop of 84, nothing drubbing of Oklahoma state. The final score of the Florida state game was 55 to nothing because they called it with nine minutes left in the third quarter because mother nature stepped in Savannah state had 28 total yards at that point. I remember that. Um, the reason the spread on that was so big is at the time Savannah state was like the they might still be, but uh, they might not even have a football team anymore. Uh, but they were the worst 
FCS school in the country. So like it was like the, one of the best FBS schools versus one of the worst FCS schools. Um, not great. Cause I think Miami ended up playing Savannah state like a year later, two years after that too. Uh, and the spread was pretty high on that game. So, um, all right. Lastly for the Mac, who wins? Uh, what's the conference championship and who wins it? Uh, I'm going to just take favoritism and take my school. I went to for a year and a half and just take, uh, Kent state over, uh, Toledo. Um, don't know why I'm just going to, because I like Sean Lewis and cause Dustin Crumb is the best quarterback in the Mac. Well, I have no logic behind mine, uh, but I'm going to take You're Buffalo. Akron, aren't you? No, no, I'm not that dumb. Come on. Give me some credit. Uh, no, I'm going to take Buffalo and former row the boat, Central Michigan, and Buffalo wins. All right. Um, I will do Miami because they share a name with my favorite school, uh, also Miami. Um and also, just to be different, I was going to go Buffalo, but uh, we'll switch this one up a little bit. Plus, I think they're the defending MAC champions. Plus, they have Blaine Gabbard's younger brother as their quarterback. So, only good things can possibly come of that. Um, and I will take Central Michigan as well to lose to them. Uh, I think this is a repeat of last year's championship. I don't remember off the top of my head. But Central Michigan played Miami pretty close last year. Uh, the U, not Miami of Ohio. Um so that's what I'll go with there. Also, Jim McElwain's the head coach at Central Michigan, so it just makes sense. Uh, so I'll take Miami, Ohio over Central Michigan for the MAC championship. All right. Uh, send it over to you, Jake, for an advertisement again. So, as you guys know, we love some smack apparel. I'm actually wearing my Rock Chalk Drink On shirt because it is one of the comfiest shirts I own. I wear it to go to the store, wear it to go work out when I do occasionally work out because smack is the industry leader in unlicensed college professional sports, t-shirts, hoodies, tank tops, onesies, and more. They have funny board shirts that are often seen on the big screen because they stand out to the boring sports fan uh, and other great shirts to wear uh, from their college shirts to professional sports apparel. They have no shorts of creative gear for your favorite team, whether you're looking for a perfect shirt for the big game or a great gift for someone's birthday or a holiday for the sports fan in your life. Choose smack apparel, use a promo code walk on for 20% off your next order. Let's power through these questions really quick. Uh, I've got a couple fun ones and a couple serious ones. So we'll just start up here at the top. Uh, this one's from at the goat follower. He says, should Penn state be allowed to pump in noise, crowd noise when Ohio state visits? No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, quick answer. Quick answer is sure. To be quite honest with you watching, um, I think, and this isn't strictly for this, uh, but having watched baseball the last couple of days, the crowd noise hasn't been like the pumped in crowd noise hasn't been awful. Um, uh, as long as they don't put virtual fans in the stands for the TV, uh, that just looks stupid. Um, what about cardboard cutouts of dogs? I am pro cardboard cutout because a, it's a good way to raise some revenue. Um, and B, I think it just kind of looks kind of funny. Um, but I think that's – I like that a little bit better um, than the virtual fans that Fox is doing. So please don't give me virtual fans for a Gus Johnson game this 
Fall Guys. Um, but the crowd noise thing hasn't been that. Like, I haven't noticed it a ton. But when I have, I mean, it's not uh, not awful. So I, I'm pro pumping in crowd noise if there's no fans in the stands uh, for particular games this fall. I feel like I'm a fan of it unless they're like pumping it into absurd volumes. Cause I feel no, like that's, no, where no, the no. Going. that's how it has to be though. It's college football. Well, yeah, <laughs> but like, shit loud. I don't give a shit if there's nobody in the, the, the I want, I, I can't watch college football. If it's well, I can, but it's not going to be great if it's quiet. Yeah. I mean, I, I know they do, virtual, they do virtual, they do the audio like for the viewers on TV but in the stadiums, at least in, in soccer, they are doing it uh, where you're only hearing the noise on TV, but in the stadiums, it's quiet. I feel like that's the way to go um, and just let the games happen. But then virtually when you're watching it, you think that there's people there. I don't need a virtual seven nation army or zombie nation. Eh. That's just my opinion. Mainly just for that game. I don't care if like, Rutgers does it because they're Rutgers. So uh, let's go with this one from Austin Roberts. If you had to choose one team to win the Big Ten to win it all, who do you choose and why is your answer Rutgers? Go ahead, Gibble. Uh, (laughs) Rutgers plays football and sometimes they move the ball forward. So that's why they may win a game one time. Is that good? Is that a good enough answer? <laughs> hey, if there's no season, they'll just claim a national title, right? Well, yeah, that that I think everybody can do. <laughs> they'll play one game against Princeton. That's the way Penn spring, State does it. In the spring. Uh, um, celebrate 151 years. Um, can you repeat the question one more time? If you had to choose one team from the Big Ten to win it all, who do you choose and why is your answer Rutgers? Well, this uh, I know that we're a college football podcast, but this does not specify college football. So I will say Rutgers basketball was very good this uh, off or this past year and didn't really get a chance to prove themselves as a true Big Ten champion. So, um, yeah, I'd pick Rutgers to win the Big Ten uh, college basketball championship last year. You're correct. <laughs> I like that loophole. <laughs> If we so this is from Standing Room Spartans, he says if we do ten thousand simulations, how many times does Michigan State win the conference, and how many times do they finish dead last in the East? All right, let's get out the random number calculator because we are not mathematicians on this podcast. So, out of ten thousand times, how many times do they win the Big Ten? That's too high of a number. That's still too high of a number. Oh, that's, <laughs> that's egregious. Nine thousand. Uh, Can I oh, say six? Yeah, you six. go ahead and make your guess because I got a Reese's commercial coming up on this thing. <laughs> I'm gonna guess uh, six simulations. They win the Big Ten conference, the whole thing. That's and that feels generous. And then uh, dead last. Let's say. Uh, 2000 uh 7000 numbers 7000 go to uh Rutgers and 1000 go to Maryland you stole my numbers <laughs> uh so i'm going to say 
nine times they win the conference and 2,500 times they finish in dead last. Um, okay. Yeah. This thing's not giving me any low enough numbers for me, <laughs> for me to do that. So, um, we'll go with, uh, 10 times, uh, 10 times they win the conference, uh, times that they finished dead last, uh, 3,047. And those, uh, combined like, you know, 20 times that they win the conference is because every other good player got COVID. Yep. Yes. So. <laughs> well, their team already got it in their quarantining. So now exactly. they're healthy for the season. That's what's going to happen. Uh, B blank asks, will Northwestern have a bounce back season? Take that Folsom. Um, they'll be better than they were last year, but I'm not, not going to sit here and pretend that they're going to be great. Uh, and eight or nine wins. So, but they'll be better than last year. They'll be more, a lot more efficient on offense with Peyton Ramsey. Um, instead of that Heisman Trophy contender, Hunter Johnson. Shame. Yeah, I mean, if you're saying bounce back as in win as much as they did in uh, the 2018 season where they um, made it to the Big Ten Championship, no. Uh, they're going to be better than they were last year. I agree, but they're not going to be nearly back to the top of the Big Ten West. So I think Northwest would be better, but yeah, like we said, 500 really probably this year, probably not like a three win season that they had last year. So this question, uh, I guess it's more of, I guess you could say opinion, but also a question at the same time. Uh, He says, how big or small is the gap between Ohio State and Penn State as the number one and two teams in the Big Ten? So he's assuming Penn State and Ohio State are the number one and and two teams. Ohio State's clearly the best team in the Big Ten. Penn State, I guess you could say, is most likely the number two team. Um, I guess they are there with Michigan and Minnesota, Wisconsin right now. But I guess for the sake, we'll say they're the second best team this year. What do you think the gap is between them? Well, I, it's sizable. I mean, the talent that you have at Ohio State, they're just essentially reloading at this point. Penn State still isn't at that level. Um, they're bringing in a lot of three- and four-star recruits where Ohio State is getting a lot more four- and fives at this rate. Um, so the talent gap is is pretty big. But on the field, they're both competitive almost every single year. Uh, at this point, people are arguing that the rivalry between Ohio State Penn State is better than the Ohio State Michigan rivalry, um, which game wise, yeah, it it probably is. Um, but I still think there's a, a pretty sizable talent gap between the two teams. Um, so it, it's essentially still Ohio State's conference to lose and Penn State's to really fight and win. Yeah, the, I think the gap's pretty big. I mean, I'm just looking at the classes right now. Ohio State has 19 commits, four five stars, 12 four stars, and three three stars. Penn State only has 13 commits, six four stars, seven three stars. So the straight up talent right there, you can see it just right in front of you. Uh, I think the gap right now is growing, and Penn State needs to do something, or else it's just going to get out of reach for the near future. Uh, I don't think this is quite like an Auburn Alabama situation where Auburn can steal, like Auburn's able to steal one every couple of years. 
I think Penn State needs a lot of help to try to steal one uh, on a consistent basis. Yeah, I mean, I think it's uh, – I don't think it's super far off, but, yeah, I mean, Ohio State's one of the three or four schools uh, that are constantly in the top five, that are able to recruit across the country wherever they want and take players um, from whatever state they damn well please with Bama and Clemson uh, and Georgia as well. Um Whereas Penn State's not on that level, they are consistently recruiting, you know, top 15. Um, so I think the talent gap there is a little bit. And I think it also comes down to quarterback, too. If Penn State, you know, Trace McSorley was pretty good, but um, if they can get a real star quarterback, you know, essentially what Christian Hackenberger was supposed to be, I guess, um, I think that helps get that gap a little lower. I also don't think Penn state's second best team. So I think that gap is also, um, a little bit bigger than we think uh, they're, and it's hard to knock Penn state because they are a consistently top 10 team. They've they're right there at Florida in terms of the best teams. Um, the best, uh, programs to not make the playoffs, but are consistently in the top 10, top 15 every season. Um, so there's that, but yeah, um, it's tough. Uh, it really comes down to that recruiting and, and, you know, one team's ability to get those. I think they are, um, past the 50% blue chip thing, which is good. Um, and they're working their way there. Uh, Franklin's a pretty good head coach, especially when it comes to recruiting. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's the, that's, Pretty much the big hang up there between the two schools. All right. We have one question left and I will save this one for last because it was my favorite question. Uh, this is from huge jazz. All eight. I tried to make sure that it didn't sound inappropriate. He says, will Michigan ever beat Ohio state again? Or am I doomed for the rest of my life? Uh, if they well, play in the spring, other than that, you're doomed for at least another year because there's no fucking way in hell they're beating them this season. I'm done cashing that check. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm, not, I'm going on the record and finally for once saying it's not going to happen because uh, I'm done. <laughs> I'm done. I mean, history would say that they're going to win at some point. How many years down the road that is, I couldn't tell you, but I fully agree it's not going to be this year. That talent gap's way too far apart right now. Yeah, I think Michigan has a couple of nice pieces, but uh, Ohio State is a literal wrecking ball right now, so I don't think it'll be this year. I think the only shot Michigan has this year, minus them going to the spring, is if like Tom Brady suits up for them right now. Um, outside of that, I don't, <laughs> I don't see it, man. I don't see it. <laughs> Yeah, uh, so, I mean, I think it'll happen one day. I'm not sure if Jim Harbaugh will ever do it because, I mean, how many more years does he have before he just either decides to, A, leave or the boosters get fed up? So, I don't know if Harbaugh will ever do it. But that's all the questions we have for today. All right, fantastic. Um, thank you, everybody, for listening. Uh, we will be back next week with the Pac-12 and the Mountain West. Week after that, we'll do the SEC with the Sun Belt. 
Uh, and then that should take us right up to around college football start. We'll see what ends up happening. Uh, as we mentioned earlier on in the show, the ACC should have a little bit more uh, known about that going forward, uh, as well as other conferences here now that we're at the end of July. Um, we'll start to see more conferences start to make official announcements uh, on what they plan on doing and when we plan on starting. Uh, so we're almost there. We're sh- or hopefully almost there at least. Uh, make sure to follow us on Twitter at walk on red shirts um, to send in listener questions and all that. Uh, make out, make sure to check out our YouTube channel, walk on red shirts podcast uh, for the half hour huddle segments that Jake did this uh, earlier this summer. Um, and make sure you're subscribed and give us a five star rating if you're on Apple podcasts. So you keep up with uh, every episode that drops. Uh, we'll be shifting to once the season starts two episodes during the week, a review and a preview episode uh, instead of lumping them all in the one big jumbled mess like we did last year. So uh, make it a little bit easier listening for everybody. Um, stay safe, everybody, and we'll catch you guys next week.